Mountain Town. Elizabeth. By Ivory Harlow. I. Soas showed in place of signal bars. When was the last time I had a signal? Elizabeth tried to recall how many miles back she'd turned off I. She made good time driving 90 miles per hour east from Tucson, through El Paso, until exiting the interstate and driving deep into the mountains of West Texas. The winding road slowed her pace to 55 miles per hour. Elizabeth wasn't complaining. The scenery was beautiful. Each time she rounded a mountain provided a fresh landscape that took her breath away. Breathless as she was, she dismissed the first whiff of something burning, assigning the smell to some other driver's bad exhaust lingering in the air. Elizabeth had only seen a few vehicles on the road since turning off the interstate. Old ranch trucks, heavy equipment haulers, and white contractor vehicles. Then she noticed smoke billowing from beneath the hood of her Nissan Sentra. Next, orange check gauge's light showed on the dash. That's when Elizabeth panicked. She pulled off the road and popped the hood. She waved black, foul-smelling smoke from her face. Elizabeth was in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by mountains. She couldn't remember the last town she passed and had no clue how much further the next town was. Calling for help was her only hope. While visiting her family in Tucson, they went hiking in the Tortolita Mountains. Her dad twisted his ankle and couldn't get back down the mountain. Elizabeth thought her sister was nuts. Climbing on top of a boulder to get a cell signal. A higher elevation might put me in line with a cell tower. And that one crucial bar of coverage, Mia said. Sure enough, it worked. It's worth a try, Elizabeth thought about the SOS on her phone. She stepped up to the bumper, on the trunk, and finally on the roof of her car. She steadied herself before extending the full length of her tall body and holding up her phone. One bar. Jackpot. Come on. Come on. She begged her phone to load results for tow service near me. It took a few reloads, but she got the number to dial. Mountain Town Tow. A man's voice came through the phone. Hi. Hello. Can you hear me? She asked, pulling the phone from her face to make sure she still had a connection. I can. I had car trouble traveling southeast on highway. I need a tow and ride to the nearest town. It's a long road, ma'am, he said politely. Whereabouts on highway? First, um, I don't know. What was the last town you went through? I wasn't paying attention. Do you know how many miles you've been on? No. Okay. What do you see around you? Mountains. Rocks. Cactus. Elizabeth reported, feeling desperate and ridiculous. Are you calling me from an iPhone or Android? iPhone. Put me on speaker, he instructed. Now, open your Maps app. She did what he said. Tap the arrow icon in the top right. Do you see a blue dot? Yes. Tap the dot. It's going to give you some coordinates. Elizabeth waited impatiently for the phone to load. I have the coordinates, she announced triumphantly. Great. What are they? Elizabeth read the digits aloud. She heard the rustling of paper as he wrote them down. You're about 40 minutes out of Mountain Town. I'm on the way, he assured her. Elizabeth glanced at the time on her phone. 6.34 p.m. She could feel the temperature dropping. Do you know a lot about cars? She asked the man as he was about to hang up. I mean, of course you do. You drive a tow truck. What I mean is, my car was smoking pretty bad. Do you think it's safe for me to wait inside? It's getting cold out here. You'll be fine waiting in the car. I'll bring you a blanket, he said, and ended the call.
Dean didn't have a Valentine's Day date. The tow job was a welcome distraction from spending the holiday alone with a large pizza and six-pack of beer. The woman hadn't said where she was from, but her bewildered voice and sense of direction was evidence she was not a mountain town local. Dean plugged the coordinates into his satellite GPS. He spotted her car on the side of the road 40 minutes later. Dean gave a friendly flash of his lights as he pulled the tow truck in front of her car. He zipped up his jacket and placed his cowboy hat on his head before stepping out into the chilly night air. The West Texas wind had been biting the past few days. He was grateful for the rough, dark stubble on his face, and for the mess of grown-out hair under his cowboy hat keeping his head warm. Dean walked towards the car. Seeing him, Elizabeth rose out of the driver's side. The first thing he noticed was her height. She was tall, nearly as tall as his six-foot-two-inch frame. The second thing he noticed is that she was stunningly beautiful. She had long, wavy, sand-colored hair. It whipped in the wind, reminding him of a dust storm. Her eyes were a muted gray-blue. Dean tipped his hat and said, Howdy, I'm Dean. I'm Elizabeth. I'm so glad you found me, she said in exasperation. You and me both, Dean thought. The truck is running with the heat on, and the blanket I promised you is on the passenger seat. Go warm up. I'll have the car loaded in no time, he told her. Thank you. Elizabeth got in the truck and covered herself with the soft, fleece blanket. She tucked it under her chin and covered her knees. It smelled like dryer sheets. Not at all what she expected from a cowboy truck driver. She watched Dean in the rearview mirror as he tightened the cinch and loaded her car on the tow. His long arms and lean muscles handled the machinery with mastery. She had stopped shivering by the time he returned to the truck. He took his cowboy hat off and set it on the dashboard, exposing dark brown hair that matched the beginnings of a beard. You're out of Mountain Town, Elizabeth noted the name of his towing company. Mountain Town Towing, printed on the side of the truck. Is that the nearest city? Sure is. Is there an auto shop there? Ralph's Auto. But it's Friday after hours. Ralph won't be in until Monday morning. I can drop your car there and leave your keys in the lockbox if you'd like. Ralph's the only repair shop in Mountain Town. She didn't like the idea of sitting idle over the weekend. It is the only auto shop. But Ralph's been in business 30 years. He does good work and won't nickel and dime you. Can you drop the car off at Ralph's and me off at a hotel? The historic Mountain Town Hotel is the only hotel in town. He said in a tone that suggested he had bad news. I'd call to check the vacancy first. Let me guess. There might not be a vacancy at the only hotel in town. On account of it being Valentine's Day, they offer a weekend getaway special that's popular with tourists. Ugh. Valentine's Day. I forgot about that. She sighed. The fact she did not remember the holiday was a good sign she was single. Curious. Dean scanned her hand for a ring and didn't see one. Dean pulled into Ralph's and offloaded the Nissan. He put the keys in the lockbox. When he got back into the truck, Elizabeth was feverishly scrolling her phone. The Mountain Town Hotel is full. No Airbnbs within 50 miles either. Is there a car rental place in Mountain Town? I guess I could get home that way. There is a Jeep Adventure rental, but no Enterprise or budget or anything like that. Well, that idea is out the window. She sounded defeated. There is an Amtrak train depot, Dean said, to offer hope. Where are you headed to? I live in Beaumont. The next train east will be Tuesday. And what if I went west, back to Tucson? The eastbound departs Monday night. Nothing before that, 
Freight trains only. Sorry. Dean smacked his hand on the steering wheel in epiphany. There is a Ford car dealership in Fort Kenzie, about an hour and a half from here. They have a service department and probably have rentals. You could call them tomorrow morning, but what do I do about tonight? Elizabeth said in anguish. You can stay with me. The words spilled out of Dean's mouth before he could censor them. Elizabeth looked at him suspiciously. I mean, just for tonight, until you figure something out. First, she wasn't keen on staying with a stranger, but she didn't have any other options. You aren't the tow truck killer, or anything like that, are you? No. Dean smiled, then noticed the concern on her face and added, Are you serious? Do I strike you as serial killer material? No. Sorry. I was listening to a true crime podcast before my car broke down. I suppose it'd be a good way to pick up and isolate vulnerable people. Dean joked. But no. I can just see you're in a tight spot. That? I am. Elizabeth agreed. She scanned his face for signs of sincerity, realizing she had no choice but to trust the handsome stranger. I don't know what to say. Say, yes, thank you. Dean suggested. Yes, thank you. Elizabeth repeated. Dean smiled and turned the truck towards home. There, Dean lived in a tidy neighborhood in town. His house had cypress green cedar siding with dark brown trim. He parked the tow truck under a carport at the rear of the property, then walked around the front to open Elizabeth's door like, I got your bag. He slung her heavy duffel over his shoulder like it weighed nothing and led her through the back gate of a tall privacy fence. The rear door entered the kitchen. It was surprisingly clean for a bachelor pad. Elizabeth could smell remnants of whatever he was eating for dinner before he came to pick her up. Man, it smells good in here. She commented, good like pizza. Yes. Her mouth watered. She hadn't eaten since lunch. I have leftovers. He opened the fridge. Are you hungry? He didn't wait for her to answer. I'll warm it up for you. He pulled the box from the refrigerator and set it on the table then walked over to the cupboard for a plate. I like cold pizza, Elizabeth said, snatching a piece out of the box and taking a big bite. Dean chuckled. How about a drink then? What do you got? Water? Gatorade? Coors? He listed. Coors after the day I've had. Dean took two Coors from the six-pack he'd left in the fridge, untouched. He brought them to the table and sat next to Elizabeth. You're sure you don't want me to heat that? he asked as she reached for a second piece of pizza. Elizabeth shook her head no as she bit off the end. No way. This is delicious. Supreme is my favorite. I love green peppers. Mine too. So, what do you do in Beaumont? He asked. Elizabeth dabbed at her mouth with a napkin, removing a glob of pizza sauce from her chin that Dean found endearing. I'm a solutions development manager for an industrial services company. Basically, a data nerd. I analyze pricing and finances. Oh, interesting. Dean smirked, which made Elizabeth laugh. It's not at all interesting, but I'm good with numbers, and it is a good job. You said you were driving home from visiting family in Tucson. Do you have family in Beaumont, too? No. Elizabeth looked confused. I grew up in Tucson. My family still lives there. My parents and my sister, too. How did you end up in Beaumont by yourself? He asked. I left Arizona to attend college at Texas Southern in Houston, then moved to Beaumont for work. I've lived my entire adult life away from family, she explained. That must be hard, Dean said. 
Elizabeth looked at him, perplexed. I mean, living so far away from your family. Not really. We call and text regularly. I visit a few times a year. It'd be hard for me. I see my family every day. My parents live a couple blocks away. My sister lives right there. Dean pointed out the kitchen window. Elizabeth's eyes followed his finger. She lives next door, Dean explained. I put up that privacy fence because her damn chickens kept flying over the old chain link one. Elizabeth burst into laughter. Is she older or younger? Two years older. Mine too. Elizabeth grinned at the commonality. Dean retrieved two more beers from the fridge. They drank and talked another hour, discussing what she liked about living in the city and what he liked about living in a small town. Elizabeth had considered Beaumont small after growing up in Tucson and college in Houston. Mountain Town was too small to support chain stores or restaurants, no Walmart. She asked, Nope. No McDonald's. Nope. Obviously no Holiday Inn of Avis. She said, What do you do around here for fun? She asked, Enjoy the slower pace of life. What happens when you need something? You can order anything you need on the internet, Dean reminded her. You just have to wait a week for it to get here. Dean explained he was no stranger to the city. Besides towing, he made his living doing custom hauling. He hauled local ranchers' livestock to processors in Fort Worth and San Antonio and delivered manufactured homes from El Paso. During harvest, he helped farmers take loads of cotton from the field to the gin and wool to the fiber co-op in Lubbock. He didn't mind visiting the city, but never wanted to live there. I'd keep you up all night gabbing, but I bet you're tired. He stood and motioned for her to follow him. You can take my room. I'll make up the couch. You don't have to do that. I already imposed on your house, ate your pizza, drank your beer. I'll sleep on the couch. My bedroom door has a lock so you don't have to worry about me killing you while you sleep, he joked. The idea of Dean as a murderer was comical now. Anyway, there is no way you are going to kill me with your sister next door as a witness. Unless she's in on it. Dean suggested, joking aside, if you were my sister I'd tell you to lock the door just to be safe. I have a feeling that if I was your sister, you would drive all night to haul my car home yourself. That's true, he admitted. I'll sleep on the couch. The couch is too short for your long legs, anyway. I'm six foot. How tall are you? Elizabeth argued. Six foot two inches. But I fall asleep on the couch watching sports all the time. I curl up like a baby on it. Now I'm 100% sure you are not a murderer. She smiled. Dean showed Elizabeth to the bedroom and then the bathroom. There are clean towels in the cupboard. Dig around in the bathroom cupboards if you need floss or anything. He said. Floss. He regretted sounding lame. Elizabeth was easy to talk to, but the fact she was so smart and beautiful made him stupid. Thank you. For everything. She smiled, feeling a sense of relief. I've... Elizabeth sat up abruptly in bed. She looked around confused by her surroundings. Then she remembered a night in a shining tow truck had brought her to his castle in a place called Mountain Town. She fumbled to pull her phone loose from charging on the nightstand. It was 8.03 a.m. The smell of coffee and bacon rushed her when she opened the bedroom door. She followed them to Dean standing at the oven, scrambling eggs. Good morning, he greeted her. Sleep well. Yes. Thank you again for giving up your bed. Coffee. He nodded to the coffee maker, and a mug set next to it on the counter. I drink black, 
but there is milk in the fridge if you want it. Elizabeth helped herself to both. Bacon, eggs, I have bread if you want toast, all the above. Have a seat, Dean said as he loaded the toaster. Do you always cook breakfast, or did you do this special for me? Elizabeth accepted the plate from Dean with a wink. The right answer is I did it special for you. But the truth is I cook breakfast every day. Even weekdays. I typically have coffee and a to-go mug for breakfast on my way to work. Dean frowned, disapproving. Will, I'm your personal chef while you're here. I like the sound of that, she said. What's on your agenda this morning? My nephew's basketball game starts at 10 a.m. My sister and brother-in-law are shift workers. He's a cop, and she's a dispatcher. I take him to his games when they can't. That's sweet. Elizabeth smiled. After the game, Brody picks a place for lunch. Originally, I told him I'd take him out to celebrate a win, but his team isn't very good. Dean chuckled. So I take him out to reward good sportsmanship. After breakfast, Dean took the dishes to the sink to wash while Elizabeth lingered over her coffee. What's on your agenda today? Have you decided if you're going to go back to Beaumont, Tucson, or wait for Ralph to diagnose your car? Elizabeth paused and thought, then said, Even if I can get a rental car at the fort this afternoon, I won't get to Beaumont or Tucson until tonight, then I'll have to turn around a day later and drive back to get my car. It doesn't seem worth it. You might as well hang out with me in Mountain Town until Monday, Dean suggested. It was obvious he liked Elizabeth and wanted to spend more time with her. You're sure you don't mind me staying with you for a couple days? Not at all, he answered honestly. Mountain Town is a really nice place. I'll show you around town, Dean offered, starting with the elementary school gym. Brody will be here any minute. In that case, I'll go get ready, Elizabeth smiled. Uncle Dean... Hey, buddy. I'm in the kitchen. Elizabeth could hear Brody chattering to Dean while she got ready. He sounded like an outgoing and happy kid. Hello. Elizabeth walked into the kitchen. Brody silenced himself, then looked at Dean. This is my friend Elizabeth. Can she come cheer you on this morning? Brody's eyes lit up. Sure. You can come. The elementary school was a short drive from Dean's house. Brody ran ahead to meet his team while Dean and Elizabeth found a place to sit in the gym bleachers. They waved to Brody when he looked up to make sure they were watching him practice. Do you have any nieces or nephews? Dean asked. No. My sister isn't interested in having kids or a family. What about you? Do you want kids and a family? I don't know. I spent my early 20s looking for the one to settle down and have kids with. He was nowhere to be found. So I spent my late 20s enjoying the single life. I'm turning 30 this year. Having experienced both ways of life, I know I can be happy either way. How about you? Elizabeth asked. Do you want a wife and kids? Definitely, Dean said without missing a beat. Elizabeth would have guessed so, by the way he interacted with Brody. But I'm 28, and I thought I'd be well on my way. It's tough to meet someone with the same mindset. Why? Elizabeth asked bluntly. That came out wrong. What I mean is that you are a nice, helpful, hardworking, handsome guy. You actually want a relationship, not a hookup. I'd think women are beating down your door. Elizabeth noticed Dean blushing. Apparently he was modest too. For starters, I don't date. I don't do bars and there aren't other nightlife options to meet people my age. Dean explained. Most of my friends are married. 
socializing as backyard BBQs and pool parties. I work alone most of the time as owner of Mountain Town Towing. It's not like I meet eligible women at work, unless you tow their cars, Elizabeth chimed in. It's the only hope I have, Dean said. What about online dating? Elizabeth suggested. I hope it never comes to that. Dean rolled his eyes, then looked at Elizabeth, her head dropped in shame. I didn't mean to offend you. He touched her knee. You online date, don't you? I've used Hinge and OkCupid, Elizabeth admitted. If I can find a girl like you there, I'm willing to try, he said. Her smile returned. They cheered extra loud when Brody scored. They were ahead at halftime, but fell behind in the end lost by the end of the last quarter. Sorry for the upset bud, Dean said, patting Brody's shoulder as they walked out. Brody shrugged, unconcerned. Can we go to Carl's for lunch? Brody asked. We should let Elizabeth pick the place. She's our guest. He turned to Elizabeth, taking two steps to keep up with her and Dean's long-legged strides. Liz, want to go to Carl's for lunch? You read my mind. That is exactly where I want to go. She liked how he defaulted to her nickname. Only her sister called her Liz. Yay. Brody cheered and ran towards Dean's truck. What's Carl's? Elizabeth whispered to Dean. A greasy spoon, burgers, fries, and shakes. They have pretty good club sandwiches, too. Carl's was a 50s-style diner. It was a warm and friendly place filled with what appeared to be regulars, lingering after the Saturday morning breakfast rush. Brody insisted they sit at the long counter. He entertained them with stories about his fourth-grade class. When they finished their meals, Dean ordered to-go meals for his sister and brother-in-law. Elizabeth helped him carry the food and drinks next door when they got back to Dean's. It's nice to meet you. Dean's sister Delilah was a full foot shorter than him. She had the same color brown hair and eyes. Thanks for hanging out with our boy today. Brody, not Dean, though you deserve kudos for putting up with both. She just- How did you two meet? She asked to engage Elizabeth in conversation. I picked her up on the side of the road. Dean interrupted. Elizabeth smacked his arm. Ouch. I picked you up on the side of the road. Actually, he did, Elizabeth said. I called him for a tow. Tell me the story while we eat. Delilah ushered them to the kitchen. She introduced her husband Nate and handed him his burger and an extra large fry. So you'll be in town a couple of days then? Nate asked. No chance you'll get Ralph into the shop on the weekend. I have my fingers crossed Ralph can look at it Monday. Then Dean's bringing you to the barn dance tonight. Delilah clapped her hands together. Dean looked at Delilah and made a slitting motion at his neck. Elizabeth doesn't want to go to a barn dance. I don't. Elizabeth crossed her arms over her chest and glared at him. She does. It's fun. We have them quarterly. Everybody in town comes, except for Dean. He's a party pooper. I don't go because I don't want to go alone. But since Elizabeth is here, you don't have to. How convenient, Dean said sarcastically. I can lend you a dress, Delilah said. My short ones would be micro minis on your long legs. Delilah said scanning her. But one of my midis or maxis will work. Let's go look in my closet. She took Elizabeth by the hand and led her to her room like they were old friends. That settles it, I guess, Dean said. Welcome to my world. Nate gave him a brotherly pat on the back. V. Elizabeth borrowed a crimson lace dress from Delilah. The front of the tiered skirt fell at Delilah's shins. 
but it hit just above Elizabeth's knees. The shirt had tears, with layers of ruffles that cascaded to the heels of Elizabeth's boots. I have to wear it with three-inch heels so it doesn't drag on the ground, Delilah commented. It looks great with boots. Dean thought so too, evidenced by the smile on his freshly shaved face when she walked into the living room with Delilah. You look beautiful, he blushed when he told Elizabeth. Even you clean up pretty well, he told his sister. Dean, Nate and Brody wore pressed jeans, pearl snap shirts, polished cowboy boots, and hats. Barn dances were a whole family affair. Delilah wasn't kidding when she said all of Mountain Town came out. The parking lot was already full when they arrived. Kids ran wild around the facility, while the old folks chatted and relaxed. The barn had been a livery at some point, but had been renovated into a venue with a polished concrete floor and galvanized metal walls. Twinkle lights draped across the exposed rafters, casting a warm glow on the dance floor. The Rangeland band featured guitars, banjo, fiddle and drums. The band was playing a cover of Happy People by Little Big Town when they walked in. Elizabeth hadn't danced in ages. She worried she'd look like a fool, but when she saw folks in the crowd attempt to two-step, she realized no one here took themselves too seriously. The band plays a 45-minute set, then there is a buffet-style meal. Then they play another 45-minute set, Delilah explained. There is a full bar on the patio and a drink station with tea and lemonade. I could use a cold one, Nate said, straining to see if there was a line at the bar. No way. We already missed the first song. There's only 40 minutes of dancing before dinner. Delilah answered for her and grabbed her husband's hand. Dean shrugged, offered his arm to Elizabeth, leading her to the dance floor. Elizabeth went to honky-tonks in Houston back during her collegiate years. Since then, she'd been to a couple of country-western bars in Beaumont. Those experiences did not compare to the old-fashioned barn dance in Mountain Town. The barn dance brought together and bonded the community. It integrated community values, belonging, collaboration, and family. It had the spirit of work hard play hard. The community's values infused character and meaning into residents making Mountain Town more than just a collection of individuals. The band broke for supper. A portly man in a cowboy hat, which Elizabeth later learned was Mountain Town's mayor, announced supper was served. Attendees made their way through the serving line, piling their plates tall with tamales, beans, rice, and taco fixings. Long, picnic-style tables stretched across the courtyard. People sat wherever there was an open seat, Dean found them two places and then introduced the people already seated. Mady and Harold were semi-retired food truck owners. Janine, a game warden, was there with her boyfriend Dalton, a ranger at the National Park. Andy owned a furniture store downtown and her husband was a lead chef at the Bighorn Bar and Grill. Everyone knew Dean and asked after his family. I towed Harold's food trailer home when his truck blew a tire. Janine and Dalton call me to tow illegally parked or stuck vehicles all the time and I deliver furniture for Andy just about every week. Dean explained how he knew everyone. Dean, your mama said you can pick up ice and rock salt for the ice cream on your way tomorrow, Mady reminded him. Yes, ma'am. Mama's bringing the cream and sugar. Are your hens laying enough eggs this time of year? The girls kept up production all winter. None of them is in molt. We will have plenty, Harold said. Excellent. Dean joked. See y'all tomorrow. He said as Mady and Harold excused themselves from the table to turn in early for the night. What's on the agenda tomorrow? Elizabeth asked. Tomorrow is the church potluck. 
There is one every second Sunday, Dean said. Do you go to church every Sunday? Elizabeth asked. It surprised her that Dean went to church. She didn't know any single men his age that did, every Sunday. Are you religious? I've never thought of myself as religious. But you go to church every Sunday. Elizabeth looked at him quizzically. I grew up going to church. The whole family still goes. Delilah, Nate, Brody, Mom, Dad. Plus, I've known everyone there my entire life, so it feels like everyone there is family. Dean paused and thought. I like how going makes me feel more than any other reason. Do you go to church? Dean turned the spotlight on Elizabeth. No. When I was a kid, we went a couple times, like on Christmas and Easter. I haven't been there as an adult. Do you want to come tomorrow? Dean asked. Elizabeth hesitated. It's laid back. I promise. The people are nice, plus there will be really good homemade ice cream at the potluck afterwards. He urged her. I rigged the antique ice cream machine up to an old John Deere engine. You've never been to church as an adult, and you've never had hit-and-miss ice cream. You don't know what you've been missing, Dean said. Elizabeth studied his smile and square jaw. Dean was wrong. She knew exactly what she'd been missing, and it was him. Bye. I'm so happy to meet you, Elizabeth. Dean's mother clasped her hand the moment she set the rock salt down on the church kitchen counter. I was sorry to miss you at the barn dance last night, but I was peeling 20 pounds of potatoes for salad and making three gallons of slaw, she said. How was your first barn dance, dear? I had a great time. I'm glad. I heard you aren't thrilled to be stranded in Mountain Town, but we are so happy to have you. I know Dean is. I wasn't thrilled at first, but Mountain Town is growing on me. Elizabeth's eyes darted to Dean, who was bringing in a second load of ice. You just make yourself at home, Dean's mom said with a wink. Elizabeth blushed, concerned she saw the adoration in her eyes when she looked at Dean. Elizabeth wanted to- You look great, he said when she walked into Dean's kitchen before church. Really? Elizabeth smoothed her hands over her blouse self-consciously. I feel underdressed. It's a country church. Ranchers, plumbers, utility workers, school teachers, everybody wears jeans. If anyone's looking at you, it's because you're so pretty, Dean assured her. Elizabeth's cheeks turned peach as her blouse. Brody waved to Elizabeth as she made her way down the pew towards Delilah and Nate's family. Dean followed her with his mother and father in tow. The pastor wore a western dress shirt and bolo. He had a full head of white hair and a gunslinger mustache. He welcomed everyone and invited all to stay for the potluck. Elle made her famous vanilla sheet cake with buttercream frosting for dessert. Elizabeth noted his nod to wife Elle in the front pew. She relaxed when she noticed that the preacher's wife wore a jean jacket over a cotton dress. The pastor read a Bible passage from Ephesians. The text wasn't familiar, but the preacher's plain speech made it easy to understand. She took away the messages that Christ unites people. Church isn't a physical place. It's a symbolic place. Christians come to church to live together as practicing people united by their belief. The sermon reminded Elizabeth of her conversation with Dean. He'd rejected the notion he was religious simply because he attended church, and recognized the symbolic nature of church attendance instead. Elizabeth wasn't surprised to see the pastor wearing a cowboy hat, laughing and joking with churchgoers around the BBQ after service. Elle and the church ladies carried loads of food to the buffet line. Dean and Nate rolled the infamous hit-and-miss ice cream machine into place and fired it up as children cheered. 
Let's play cornhole, Liz. Brody took Elizabeth's hand and led her to the cornhole boards. There were other yard games. Horseshoes and tumbling timbers and rubber-made tubs with a variety of balls, jump ropes, and disc golf. They sat down to dinner after a few games of cornhole. It was a sunny, 68-degree day, and though it was too windy to cover the tables with gingham cloths, it was perfect picnic weather. Elizabeth sat with Dean on one side, Brody on the other, facing a beautiful line of mountains. Dean's parents joined them. She listened politely to Dean and his father talk football. You're being quiet. Dean nudged her with his elbow. I'm just enjoying the weather and scenery, something spring-like in the air this afternoon. It's a beautiful early spring day, Dean's mother agreed. You must come back to visit us in April. The mountain air is pure and sweet. Everything is lush and green. I could stop in Mountain Town on my way to Tucson for Easter, Elizabeth suggested. I look forward to it, Dean's mother lit up. You could stop and stay over on the way to Tucson and on the way back from Tucson. I worry about you driving that long distance alone. That's a good idea. Elizabeth said, April is a long time from now. Dean sounded disappointed. Next month is my basketball tournament. Are you coming to cheer? Brody asked. He liked having the audience at yesterday's game. The wine and beef farm to table event at Mountain Town Winery and Vineyard is the same weekend as the tournament. It is the best event in Mountain Town, Delilah said. That's because Delilah is the volunteer coordinator, Nate said. That's not why it's the best. Delilah playfully slapped Nate's shoulder. Yes, it is. Nate looked at her lovingly. They are good together, Elizabeth thought, craving the same for herself. I guess I'll just have to stay in Mountain Town so I don't miss anything, Elizabeth quipped. Really? Brody bounced on his seat excited his new friend was staying. She's only joking, Nate told his son. Elizabeth has to get back to her life in Beaumont, he explained. Brody hung his head. Elizabeth couldn't help but notice the disappointment in Dean's eyes as well. The sun setting behind the mountain horizon indicated her time in Mountain Town was coming to an end. First thing tomorrow morning, Dean would drive her to the auto shop. If everything went as planned, Ralph would have her back on the road to Beaumont by tomorrow afternoon. Vicen. The smoke you saw was the result of a busted power steering line. Ralph rolled the tube between his calloused fingers to show Elizabeth the damage. It spewed fluid all over the hot engine. It's good you stopped. The fluid is flammable. Even if it doesn't start a fire, if you continue to drive with low power steering fluid, you will blow the power steering pump. Do you know if you were driving with a leak? Ralph asked. When was the last time you checked your fluid levels? Never, Elizabeth said sheepishly. Well, I can replace the leaky tube for $30 bucks. That should get you on the road to Beaumont. But I can't guarantee the low fluid level didn't cause damage to the pump. So you might not get far, Ralph warned. Alternatively, I can put in a new pump assembly for $100 bucks. That should last as long as the car. How long will it take to replace the pump? If I order the pump now, I'll have it by Friday. Then there is the weekend. So I can have your car ready one week from today, Ralph said matter-of-fact. Dean was standing behind Elizabeth while Ralph assessed her vehicle. He parked his tow truck in front of Ralph's shop and insisted on waiting to make sure she was okay before heading to work. Now, she looked back at him. He was struggling to support what was best for her while he really wanted to get down on his knees and beg her to stay. Elizabeth saw the hope in his eyes as he reached his hand forward to hold hers. 
Her heart was beating loud and clear, but her mind was riddled with complications. On one hand, she had a life in Beaumont, and she couldn't just press pause. On the other, nothing in Beaumont called to her the way Mountain Town did. Elizabeth knew the decision really wasn't about a week delay. It was about making a complete overhaul of her life. She looked into Dean's brown eyes and had her answer. Order the pump, she told Ralph. Yes, ma'am. Like I said, I should have it installed in about a week. We're in no hurry, she said, matching Dean's smile and walking hand in hand to his tow truck. The End